0: a look at that right there i want you to imagine if you would that you're sitting on a bus and i know most of you are from orange county and you never ride a bus but uh, you can think of a time where you have and you're sitting on a bus and you've got our bible reading plan now you need to know that judy is here and judy and Tamara, Tamara's here somewhere back there judy and tamra are like lennon and mccartney putting this together tamra comes up with the with the stuff and Judy does a fantastic job of, of formatting this and putting it together. And it's just a real team effort. And Judy is the publisher of The Well to everyone in the Wellosphere out there. And so we're glad to have her today. Wait, raise your hand in case people don't know who you are. Judy, just so people see, there you are. Okay. I know, but that's why I'm giving it to her. It's a, uh, let's say, let's say you've got your little booklet here and you're on a bus and you've got your Bible open and you're opening it to today's Bible reading. And you're looking it up, and you're you're reading it, and a woman sits down next to you and is sort of quiet, respecting your space, then looks over and sees what you're doing. And she says, I've never read the Bible, and I wasn't raised in church and don't know much about church, but I've heard about this born-again thing. Are you one of those people? Are you one of the people that are born again? And you, being a believer, answer, yes, I'm, I'm born again. what jesus did for me and you hope that that's the end of the conversation because you don't want to say much more than that because this is getting you know kind of what am i going to say and she says i don't understand that what does it mean and you have to share with her what you mean by born again and what that's meant in your life and how you would describe it and it's not easy to do it's especially not easy to do right now the way things are in, uh, in North America. We have dual evaporations going on. Cultural, big cultural evaporations where things just vanish. One of them is traditional church. I grew up in a traditional church and it looked like the most stable thing in the world. It looked like something that would last for a thousand years. It uh, There were youth groups and there was confirmation and there was a choir and people showed up and there was always visitors sort of church shopping, looking around. And, and I just thought it was the most stable thing there possibly could be. And it's sort of evaporating from our culture. Back when 9-11 happened, if you remember, a lot of people sought the church for guidance. With the pandemic, not so much. Of all the big discussions I saw, very little had anything to do with faith or where God was in the middle of all this stuff at all. It was just, it's like we've been, we've gone from mainline to sideline. And we're sort of tolerated, but it's, uh, the church as a central cultural force in the United States has sort of evaporated. And the other evaporation has been the establishment. During the pandemic, the establishment, uh, you know, basically government and and established universities and the press and intellectuals have gotten kind of creepy. Just gotten a little bit creepy. They're just sort of trying to run everything, and it just gets kind of strange. And you start thinking, okay, what's this all about? And our poor kids, we bring them up in a church, and then we send them off to creepy establishment universities, and they get messed up. And so they, they they come out confused. We have a whole generation of confused people. And people's trust in big established institutions has really sort of evaporated. And their sense of church being central has sort of evaporated. So where do we find meaning? How do we find meaning spiritually? How do we live as God would have us live with all of this sort of turmoil around us? And we've seen turmoil. This has been a tumultuous year or two, even, where there's just been a lot of, you know, and uh, and I haven't seen a lot of constructive stuff come out of it. Well, to answer that question, Jesus would give us this, that we must be born again because Jesus was living in a time just like traditional Judaism was evaporating. And there was a lot of trouble going on, just a lot of messy stuff going on. And the government the Roman Empire was transitioning from a really high-end republic to a creepy empire where there were people in charge and, you know, just decadent. And they were living in a time like this, too. And Jesus says, in the middle of all this, he would say it then, he would say it now. The key is to be born again. Not to seek our destiny in In uh, institutions, or in the establishment, but to look for an inner transformation that is something we can share with one another in the family of Christ. We're doing a sermon series on the Ten Commandments of Jesus, and I've had so many people say, well, churches always do sermon series on the Ten Commandments. No, this is not the Ten Commandments that you memorized when you were young. This is a group of Ten Commandments that Jesus gave us, and they're different, and they're a lot more challenging. It's a lot easier to not commit adultery than it is to be born again. Being born again is a hard concept. Not murdering someone is pretty easy to keep throughout your life. Most of you, I think probably all of you have kept that one. I don't think anybody's, I'm not thinking we're looking at a den of thieves and murderers here. So some of the commandments are really easy to understand. We know what murder is and we know we haven't done it. Being born again is not easy at all to understand, especially the way our minds are wired in our culture. So we're doing a sermon series on the Ten Commandments of Jesus, his top ten commandments. And he said at the end of his ministry, when he was about to go up into heaven, he said, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them all that I have commanded you. So we're doing this in in obedience to Jesus. You must be born again. So we've got this fascinating passage from John 3, if you'll turn to that. And a whole bunch of people are watching out there on the wellosphere, out there, the the well world out there. And uh, we are so blessed that you folks up at our daughter church are worshiping together for the first time today. They've been in lockdown, serious lockdown. They're having a third wave in Edmonton, and it's really bad. And they're meeting outdoors which is risky in Edmonton because snow can happen anytime this time of year. It really can. Happened a couple of weeks ago. And so, uh, anyways, they're meeting outdoors, the well at Wild Rose Country, our first daughter church. And we're so proud of them. Don't you hate it when people show you baby pictures all the time? But I'm so excited about this church. It's just uh, very excited about them. Brian and Meta Weir and Donna and all the leaders up there doing a great job. And I hope we all get a chance to visit them at some point or another. So. You must be born again. There's a passage here, John 3, 1 and following. Nicodemus comes to Jesus. Now, Nicodemus is coming in good faith because he wants to understand what Jesus has been teaching about. Nicodemus is a frenemy, to use a pop culture word. He's a Pharisee, and the Pharisees were all frenemies of Jesus. They were friends of Jesus because, like Jesus, they believed in an afterlife. The Sadducees did not believe in an afterlife. So they're both believers, Sadducees and Pharisees, but some believed in an afterlife, some did not. And if you just look at the Old Testament, especially without the book of Daniel, it's pretty ambiguous. It could go either way. Jesus came down believe it or not, concerning the afterlife, on the side of the Pharisees. And they really loved him for that. He was he was a guy who came down and said, yes, there is an afterlife. And so they're thinking, yes, this big popular rabbi is coming down on my side. Maybe he's one of us. But then he said no to them on a lot of other stuff. He basically said it's about the spirit and it's about God's presence and it's not about checking off lists of rules. So he's always fighting with them. So he Nicodemus is a frenemy. He's one of those people who is drawn to Jesus, but kind of turned off by Jesus. Because Jesus is saying that all the things that they're doing are just kind of a waste of time. So he comes to him in good faith, though. And he starts, who here has heard of Dale Carnegie? How to win friends and influence people. He's, I think Nicodemus went to a Dale Carnegie course at some point, because he, he starts here. There was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, And here's his Dale Carnegie line. Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher, come from God. After all, you agree with us on the afterlife. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. So he's using the Dale Carnegie positive thing, you know, and and Jesus just blows him out of the water for no reason. Jesus was not a comfortable person to be with. Jesus never answered a question the way people expected him to. Jesus never affirmed anybody's ideology. He basically answered by saying, you're asking the wrong question. Pretty much did that constantly. He reframed the question, and he made people uncomfortable. Who here believes that it's when we're uncomfortable that we actually learn something? When we're comfortable, we just go on thinking what we've been thinking. We don't learn anything. And I think a lot of us in North America are too comfortable, and we often don't learn much because of that. Sometimes we learn a lot through adversity, Our muscles grow through resistance. Our souls grow, grow through challenges. It just happens. That's how it works. If Jesus answered, said to him, just ignored his entry, his opening. Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he can't see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is saying, hey, dude, I'm coming to you in good faith here. I kind of want to figure out what you're teaching. I'm coming here trying to actually trying to learn. And then you're, you know, throwing me this stuff. What in the world does that mean? You have to be born again. Okay. Born again. Also, born from above. Jesus was speaking Aramaic, and in the Aramaic, under the Greek, which is nerdy Bible stuff, but basically he says you must be born from the head or from the source. The book of Genesis, in its original language, is not called Genesis. That's a Greek word. It's called the head times. A Rosh, the time of the head. Rosh is your head. Okay, Rosh Hashanah is the head of the year, the beginning of the year, New Year's Day. And so the Rosh is the head, the source of everything else. You must be born from the top, from the source. Again, you have to reset your source. You have to reset your compass on something else entirely or you won't see the kingdom. And the kingdom, by the way, he's not saying here you don't go to heaven. The kingdom includes heaven, but the kingdom is all around us because God's rule is in this room right now. God's rule is holding your life and sustaining it. God's rule is lighting up your consciousness. God's rule is creating enough order where we can sit here and breathe and actually do this. The gravity and the physical stuff that's going on and all of our uh, blood levels and hormone levels and everything else are being regulated by all this stuff, which we have no clue about. And God is his rule is happening all the time. And what he's saying to Nicodemus is, you can't see what God's doing around us unless you're born from the top, unless you reorient yourself entirely, unless you start from a different starting point, unless you give it all away and come at it from another angle. Otherwise, you're never going to see into the spiritual realm. As Jessica was leading us in singing, it seems like we're surrounded by problems, but uh, we're surrounded by the Lord and his presence. Some of you see these things, some of you actually have. Spiritual like vision, you can see angels, you can see spiritual forces around you. Some of you get words, but all of us have access to what God is doing around us. And all of Jesus' teaching was about this, was about the kingdom. And he says, basically, uh, you are all ambassadors of the kingdom, and you are the connection between the physical world and heaven, and you human beings have a big role there, and wherever you go, you can go in my power. And next week, we're going to talk about that. Because the next commandment is heal the sick. And Jesus says, you can do that. He didn't heal the sick to show off. In fact, when people wanted to tell people about, he says, no, we got work to do. Just stay on task here. He did it to teach us how to do it because we have access to the power of the kingdom. And that's really cool stuff. So basically what he's telling Nicodemus here is unless you start from a whole different reference point, unless you see things entirely differently, you're never going to, perceive what's happening around you the rest of what's going on in the spectrum and there's a lot happening around here that we don't see there's a lot happening some of you are being demonized by dark stuff stuff coming at you and don't don't um put yourself down for that in fact the fact that you're a believer means things are going to come after you that's just the way it works Uh, if you're filled with the spirit you show up on enemy radar and you're a threat to the evil one and martin luther 500 years ago took the evil one very seriously and most of his hymns are about spiritual warfare i mean think about it mighty fortress the fight song of the lutheran church it the the hordes of devils fill the land all threatening to devour us i mean that's fairly combative language and I've actually been to the castle at the Vartburg where he translated the New Testament, and he was sitting up there in a little room, and they have that room up there now. And uh, he saw the devil, and he threw his inkwell at the wall, and the ink is still there. It's—they uh, might have touched it up a little bit after 500 years, but—but uh, he—he says I saw the devil there, and I, I threw the inkwell at it. And so there's there's stuff happening to some of you, and some of you are being led by the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's teaching you things right now. And some of you are getting better teaching than I'm giving you right now because the Holy Spirit's teaching you directly right this minute and you know who you are. While Jessica was teaching, singing, teaching, singing, whatever she was doing up here, but when Jessica was up here. <laughs> the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and taught me something really cool, which I'm going to share later in the message, but that just came. There's a lot of that happening around us right now. And the key is receptivity. That's the key to everything. Unless you are born again, you can't see the spiritual realm. You can't see God at work. You'll never see that with your physical eyes. You try to prove to an unbeliever that God's at work, good luck. They don't have this. They're not starting from the same point. You can't prove from physical stuff that God is here doing what he's doing. In fact, even miracles, they'll just say it's a coincidence. We've all seen miracles, but they, they won't see what's behind it. They can't see. You can't see the kingdom unless you have been born anew. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? And Nicodemus is getting a little testy at this point because he doesn't like the answer that he got. And they're getting a little combative. And if you've ever known Jewish people, Discussing stuff, they tend to get combative about stuff like this. Just kind of go after each other. That's why the Middle East is such a peaceful place. But uh, it's uh, they're they're passionate people. They're not California cruisy, you know, uh, wearing flowery shirts and saying it's all good. They're they're not like that. Jesus answered, "Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water, in other words, your physical birth, when the water breaks and out you come." and the spirit unless you're born of the spirit you can't enter the kingdom of god you can't even you can't access what's happening around us you you won't get it you won't get it until you've been born of the spirit you notice he doesn't say you won't get it unless you accept me that comes later in this passage because we can't accept jesus unless we're open to the spirit now if you took lutheran confirmation you had to memorize that that we can't come to faith unless the holy spirit guides us and that's just true in the Bible. And it's true, period. People say, well, the Holy Spirit can't work on people until they're, until they're Christians. We come to faith because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's always working on unbelievers. That's what he does for a living. He's, he's pulling people in all the time. And sometimes unbelievers start operating in spiritual gifts because they don't know where it's coming from. All of a sudden, boom. And then they come to faith when they realize what's happening. They'll get a prompting from God or they'll... Anyways, things can happen. Things can happen. And so unless you're born of the Spirit, you can't enter into the spiritual realm. You'll never see what's happening around you with your physical, scientific eyes. It'll never happen. You're not going to get there. You can't climb into the truth about God by thinking about it. This is why there's never been, ever, in the history of the world, a revival in a seminary. Never. Never once. Seminaries, folks... they're built around libraries. We look for God in books, and there's nothing wrong with study. There's nothing, I, I learned a lot of cool stuff about the Bible. But the point of seminary is not to get you more open to the Spirit. It's to teach you more stuff, and that's different. And nowadays, content's free anyway, so what's the point? Jesus answered, most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of Spirit is the Spirit. You have to be born of the Spirit. And here's the thing that came to me when Jessica was singing such a cool prompting and I stopped singing and I sat down and it was just so cool because when a mother is about to give birth, the mother doesn't signal to the baby that it's time. The baby signals the mother that it's time. The baby control. If you don't believe the baby controls you, the baby does control you when you're pregnant. The baby is in charge. The baby is, uh, is on the bridge of the enterprise. And you're just going on for the ride. And the baby wants food. The baby wants food. When the, baby, the, the baby is going to do what the baby's going to do. And the baby knows when it's time. And the baby signals how. And the mother responds by going into labor. It's not the mom that triggers it. We like to, we like to think that we adults are in charge. But no, the baby says when the birth date is going to be. Not the doctor, not you, not the math, not anybody else. It's going to happen when the baby says so. And it's the same with us. With our second birth, all we have to say to God is now. And we don't born again ourselves. He does. But all we have to do is respond to that invitation to come out and be born again, to enter into the birth canal and come out into this new realm of the kingdom. And we come out into this fantastic new reality that God made us, God loves us, that we're connected with him through his spirit, that all the mistakes we made can be forgiven by the blood of the cross, and that we can live lives of joy, even in the midst of terrible stuff. And there's been a lot of terrible stuff in this last year. But you can't live that way unless you've been born of the spirit. And a lot of you have been born of the spirit. Here's the problem. Many of you got born again, you're rebirthed spiritually, happened so long ago, you don't remember what it was like to be an unbeliever. I have a hard time with that. For goodness sake, I've been walking around with believers all this time, and my wife, who was an unbeliever for 20 20 years before she came to faith, keeps reminding me, raised in a secular house, that people don't always think like you, David. (laughs) They weren't raised in a pastor's house, and they didn't get raised with all this stuff, and the truth is, the longer you 've been a believer, the harder it is to evangelize sometimes because you don't remember what it was like. New Christians are always the best at evangelizing, and they're always the best at inviting people to church they're always because they remember what they, they they remember what it was like before this and if you 're a new believer, don't think you 're just a junior Christian, you are the best evangelist there is because you actually remember what it's like before you came to faith, and some of us really don't it's been so long i I asked at the prayer meeting this morning, why wouldn't everybody want to be born again? And Tim had a good answer to that, and Bill had a good answer to that. I'm thinking, yeah, but how can people think that way? And people said, they do. They really do. They think different than you. And it's just really true. Which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. And all we have to do, like the baby in the mother's womb is say, now it's time. Now it's time, Lord. I'm ready. I'm ready. Bring me out. Bring me out into this new reality. We're going to give you a chance to do that or redo it or whatever later on today. Do not marvel, that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes and you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes and where it goes. So it is who is everyone who is born of the spirit. It's a mystery. And Our men's group, we had a great men's group, and we went around talking about our own experiences, and none of them were the same. The Holy Spirit works differently with almost everybody, really differently. And if we come to faith in a really dramatic way, we think someone else has to, too. And some people are what I call crockpot Christians, and some people are what I call microwave Christians. Some of you took a long time to cook. And you can't. Put your finger on the exact moment when that was cooked enough. It was just, you know, a few hours, a you know, longer period of time. And some of you were microwaved. You, you were pulled out of the freezer and you know, said, wow, that's pretty cool. And then, then you go talk to crockpot Christians and say, unless you felt that, you ain't nothing. You know, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but people really would rather eat crockpot food than microwave food in general. But still, it, 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 the, the important thing is that you get there. Not that how you got there, because some of you got microwaved and some of you got crockpotted. But the key is that you get there and that you are open to the Spirit. And we can't, when you say, okay, Lord, I'm ready. Bring me out. You don't know what he's going to do. In fact, i got a funny picture of what he tends to do here. I'm going to show it to you. Here we go. That's Jesus on the left, and that's you on the right. Uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, you don't know what's coming. Can you imagine the shock of your first birth when you first came out? I thought, whoa, it's cold out here. <laughs> what? You go from 98.6 to 72, and it's like, woohoo, it's freezing out here. And all of a sudden, there's these lights all over the place and noises. Being born against the same way, you, you get born into quite a ride. because th- There's no safer place than in, in God's perfect will. I'm thinking, yeah, right. Uh, you're in God's perfect will. You're in for quite a ride. You're in for an e-ticket ride. Those of us who are old enough to know what an e-ticket ride is. So that's what happens when we say yes to the Lord. Lots of stuff happens. Nicodemus answered and said to him, how can these things be? He's trying to figure this out, but he's coming at it from an intellectual point of view, not from a spiritual point of view. He's basically saying, I'm not ready yet, Lord. Don't bring me out. I don't want to see that stuff. I just want to do what I'm doing. Jesus answered and said to him, are you a teacher in Israel and you don't know these things? Because People, the Bible's full of this stuff. Jesus didn't invent the Holy Spirit. He was around in Genesis 1-1, and the Spirit was hovering over the waters. People got filled with the Spirit all through the Old Testament. I talked to some Spirit-filled Jewish rabbis who weren't Christians up in Galilee, and they started singing in tongues. And I thought, you guys do that? And they said, you, think you, you, you guys think you invented the Holy Spirit? You've been around a little bit longer than, <laughs> a bit longer than that. So... So Jesus is literally saying, you, you read the whole Old Testament, the whole Hebrew Bible, and you don't get these things because it's all in there. I'm not inventing a new religion. I'm just bringing out the best stuff that's in here. And it's all good stuff. So Paul says, everything in the scripture is useful. It's helpful.
1: You don't know these things,
0: which probably didn't impress Nicodemus much to hear that. Most assuredly, I say to you, we speak what we know and testify, what we have seen, because we've been in that realm. We've been in the realm of the spirit. We've we've hung out with this. We've said yes to the Lord. And you do not receive our witness. In other words, it's about receptivity. That's the key word. We don't save ourselves. We don't pat ourselves on the back and say, yes, I said. I said yes to Jesus. So I'm the person who saved myself. No, you just said yes. And out you came into this exciting world of kingdom. Verse 12, I've told you earthly things and you do not believe. How will you believe when I tell you heavenly things? Things of the spirit, things that are not like what you're looking at. We talked about the vocab already, so I'm going to move on. So what is being born again? Then how? We don't have total control of our birth. I talked about that. It's a process with a a big moment. Jesus chooses birth as an illustration of spiritual awakening. Let me say that again. Jesus chooses human birth as an illustration of our spiritual awakening. He uses that because there's a lot of parallels. Your birthday, whatever it is, shout out your birthday. Give me your birthdays. Okay, your birthday. When you came into this world out into the light, that was a dramatic moment and that's the day you celebrate but there was a lot of stuff before that there was nine months of your mother carrying you around for those of you adopted your birth mother carrying you around that was a long time and before that there was a fairly exciting interaction between your mother and father and before that there was courtship and before that there were other things when they first met and all kinds of things came together to bring you forth and then you were ready to go right People are having these arguments about abortion, like, when is the baby viable? I've said to you this before, the baby is viable for boys at about 25 and girls at about 17. You know, it, 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 it it's, it's, it's doesn't happen right away. It doesn't happen right away. You put a baby on the porch when it's born, it's not going to make it. When you're first born again, there's a whole bunch of stuff ahead of you. And... It's, it's a, it's a process. And it doesn't just stay done just because you came out. You've got to work on some stuff. Just think what you had to learn in your first birth. You had to learn English. Some of you learned a different language. Wendy had to learn Dutch first and then she had to learn English. It's, it's tough stuff. You got to figure out how to walk, which takes months. You got to figure out how to eat without getting half your dinner on your face. Some of us are getting better and better at that. It's a, it's a, it just improves as we go along. Once again, boys and girls a little different on that one. It's a process with a big moment. And say yes to the process wherever you're in at that point, but never think to yourself, I'm done. I'm born again, so I'm done. Uh, no. You've been born again, so it's time to grow and learn. It's time to, to learn what it's like to follow Jesus. And experiences vary the first birth and the second birth. Some of you mothers gave birth easily. Oh, it was just easy, just half hour, boop, there was the baby. Some of you, like my wife, had a billion hours of labor and just, you know, she could tell you horror stories. Uh, Births are different, just like your second birth can be different. It's just a fantastic and wonderful thing to be a human being, and it's even more fantastic to be a spiritual human being, to awaken to our spiritual nature. And that takes a saying yes to the Lord. It takes saying yes to an invitation. It says yes to that incredible uh, adventure that is awaiting us. I'm going to invite the worship team back up here. You look at John 3.16, and I want you to look at it, because this is just a few verses later. This is the football verse. Uh, this is what people hold up in the end zone, John 3.16, but it's only a few verses after the verse that we have here. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that would be Jesus, that whoever believes in the best word here is trust. And let me say that really clearly. Believing that Jesus is the son of God doesn't get you saved. The devil believes that Jesus is the son of God. And think about it. He knows, he knows, and the demons believe that Jesus is the son of God. It's a matter of trusting him. It's a matter of choosing to trust that wild ride that we talked about here, that he's going to take your hand and take you where you need to go and that he's worth your trust. So whoever trusts in Jesus, it's not like getting the software for an app where you don't read the thing and at the bottom you check a little box. It's not saying, yes, I believe Jesus was who he says he was. So what? I mean, like I say, demons believe that. Do we trust him? Do we trust him? Go to the next slide here. Whoever trusts him shall not perish but have everlasting life this is a typical um, for a jewish woman this is a typical thing to have on your necklace this is the uh, the letters tet and yot, which is chai which is life and it's a very typical thing to to have um on a necklace life Lachayim, you've heard that phrase before to life uh, jesus says here that everyone who trusts in him will not perish, but have chai laolam life, literally, olam is the universe, life of the universe, the whole, the big deal, the life that doesn't have boundaries, that you'll be part of that incredible, incredible spiritual life, the fullness of life, which includes heaven someday, folks, but that's not the goal. The goal is that we always have a relationship with God at every moment, because eternity will always be now. Even in heaven, eternity will always be now. So let's start now. Let's be a part of that now. Let's be aware of that now. It's not like everything's bad here, then we escape. No. uh, God's at work now, and there are no boundaries to where he's working in your life. And to say yes to Jesus is to say yes to Chai Olam the big life, the universal life, the life that is full of the spirit, the life that is spirit-led. And that includes not dying, which is good. But folks, the point of life is not not dying. I mean, longevity on its own is not a virtue. What's a virtue is living well every day, and if that goes long, that's great. Would you rather live a totally fulfilled life at and die at 65, or live a miserable awful life and die at 116 we'd all choose a fulfilled life so the point is not not dying that's a benefit of being in the kingdom but the point of it is living into it so what we're going to do right now is we're going to just let uh, the worship team lead us into the presence of god and i just invite you to stay seated for this stay um you can close your eyes you can sing along if you want But just in your heart, be ready like a, like a child in the womb. Now, maybe you've been born again, but you just want to be sure. There's no harm in reenacting it. I like to react, reenact sweet moments in my life all the time. The time I saw Wendy coming up the aisle when we first got married at the wedding, I just was filled with joy. I thought, wow, I get to marry her. When my son was born, and I was just filled with joy. I couldn't wait to call everybody. And those of you who know what it means to be born again can just relive that for people who might be doing this for the first time. And you can go to church your whole life and never do this. But let's open our hearts, our receptivity, open our ears, our eyes, our spirits to the invitation that the Lord is giving us to come forth into his kingdom.
1: Amazing i Jesus' name, highly favored, anointed.
0: such uh, anointed worship leaders, well, uh, very often when Kim or Jan or Jess are singing, the uh, Holy Spirit speaks to me, and he said, tell them saying yes to the second birth is one way of saying thank you for the first birth. A way of telling God, we're so glad, I'm so glad you brought me into this world. I'm grateful for my life. Human life is a miracle. And saying yes to the second birth is a way of saying thank you for the first. I'd like you to picture, if you would, that you're, close your eyes and picture that you're in a dark place. Not emotionally dark, just physically dark. And you hear a voice but the voice is outside the door. It's a little muffled. But it's the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit, he says to you, I want you to come out. I want to show you something. Are you sure you're you're ready? And we're thinking, because we're in this dark room, we think, well, Don't I believe in Jesus first and then trust the Holy Spirit? No, but Jesus says no. It's saying yes to birth in the Spirit that brings you to the point where you can have faith and trust in Jesus. The Holy Spirit leads us to the cross, leads us to Jesus. The Holy Spirit wants us to come out. And You sense power building outside the room. Kind of trying to build up your courage, but finally you do, and you say, "I'm coming out," and the power kicks in. The door just opens up, and the light streams in, and out. You go into the same world, but it's different. This world is full of spiritual power and full of God's guidance, as we just sang His goodness. And out there in the sunshine, Jesus comes to you, and he holds out his hand, and he says, I don't just want you to believe that I exist. I want you to trust me, to be your tour guide through this fantastic new world of the kingdom. And you'll never be alone again. You'll face challenges, but all the power you felt when you were being born again, the the power that kicked in when you said, I'm ready, is always available to you. It may take years, but I'm going to teach you how to use that power. I'm going to teach you how to rely on that power. I'm going to teach you how to walk in that power. I'm going to teach you how to change lives of the people around you and give you wisdom that you couldn't have learned. And this journey is like a book full of chapters where each one is more powerful than the one before. You're in a process. And that process is good. And there's plenty of time. Because there will never come a time when the Lord lets go of your hand, forever and ever. And it's in his name we pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Let's stand and keep singing. Let's uh, go back into this.
1: God, you're so good. saving us God you're so good God, you're so good you're so good to me I am blessed I am blessed I am called I am Lord, I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power, for the glory of Jesus' name. One more time. I am blessed, I am called. I am healed, I am whole, I am saved in Jesus' name. Highly favored, anointed, filled with your power for the glory of Jesus' name. You're so good
0: Uh, if you've experienced rebirth for the first time please tell somebody that's so important whether you're here in the chapel or out in the wellosphere somewhere watching us it's so important to share that with someone and with people you love and people that you do faith with continue to encourage one another it's so important that we don't walk this alone we can be like Jesus to each other and help each other and so uh If you're comfortable with that, I think it's a year overdue to give some people some hugs. But if you don't want to, that's fine. So just you can send your own body language around. You can tell it. Either one is fine. But those of you who are just really dying to hug some people, please do. And we'll see you next week.